It's Tuesday, October the 31st, 2023, and let us gather together and experience the goodness of God. I'm Pastor Trey Comstock. We'll begin with our scripture of the week, Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 46, and a piece by Pastor Emily Larson entitled, Love God, Love People. Then Pastor Emily and I will talk scripture and review the film Jesus Revolution about the Jesus movement of the late 1960s into the 1970s and what it can tell us about this moment of wondering what will become of church. But first, a reading from Matthew 22 verses 34 through 46. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, by the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. I recently had the privilege of sitting in on a youth Sunday school class where they were discussing the Ten Commandments. Youth discussions are always my favorite because they have no filter and they aren't afraid to ask the hard questions. This discussion of the big top ten commandments naturally led to a discussion about the other 600 plus laws listed in the Old Testament. When the participants in this class were overwhelmed with the idea of trying to remember to keep this tedious list of rules, the Sunday school teacher wisely took a page from Jesus' playbook and summed it all up. Love God. Love people. I imagine many people in Jesus' time felt similarly about all of the laws. While the Pharisees were posing the question to trick Jesus, I'm certain that many in the crowd that day were grateful for this summation of the law. The core of the matter all filters down to love God and love people. And when we begin to look at our life through this simplified lens and make it the motivation behind our actions, that's when everything can begin to fall into place. I'm reminded of a time that I took a course on homesteading with an intentional Christian community here in Texas. They still used old traditional methods of planting, growing, and harvesting their crops to sustain their collection of small family farms. This included utilizing a traditional horse-drawn plow to prepare the soil. As a brand new homesteader, I was overwhelmed with the complexity of it all. The horses working in tandem, often they would pair an older, more experienced horse with a younger horse who was just learning the ropes. The equipment and how the oldest models of the plow that have been used for hundreds of years are still the best design for the job. The tension of the straps and the wood that needed to be held just right by the farmer. In addition to steering that horse team in the straightest lines in order to ensure the best possible crop plantings and therefore the highest yields of their crops during harvest season. 
trying to hold all of this new information and technique in my brain was dizzyingly overwhelming until the instructor told us to just focus on one thing straight ahead. Just focus on the point directly in front of you and the rest of it would fall into place. The horses would find their natural rhythm. The rows would turn out straighter if you just stopped overcomplicating it in your mind and focused your eyes directly ahead of you. If you began to focus instead on the minutia of the job at hand, you would undoubtedly begin to veer off course, causing your rows to be uneven. But if you focused on the point directly in front of you, to the end of the row where you were headed, you would be able to plow a straight line. I think of the Pharisees in today's passage and how they had undoubtedly veered off course in their study of the law. They had become so bogged down in the particulars of the interpretation of the law that they lost track of the reason that the laws had been created in the first place, to help us govern our relationship with God and our relationships with people. And it turns out what it all boils down to is actually pretty simple. Love God and love people. See, if we love God, we will put God first. We will honor God's name. We will not create idols and we will keep God's Sabbath. If we love our neighbors, then we won't steal, commit adultery, covet, kill, bear false witness against them. All of the laws can be summed up in this one great commandment, to love God and to love others. So what if we simplified it and kept our eyes focused on this goal as we went about our daily lives? Maybe when we talk about walking the straight and narrow path in life, we could actually simplify it by evaluating our actions, our motivations through this lens of love. Is what I am saying, doing, thinking, etc. loving God and loving my neighbor? Perhaps if we fix our eyes on Jesus, it makes walking a straight line, a life filled with and guided by love, a whole lot easier. As you just heard in Emily's piece, and if you want to go watch my thoughts on it, I did the sermon, which is also um, up on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash servants now, or you can watch the entire service, uh, facebook.com slash servants now. Uh, however, like this, the take on the love commandment that this series builds around is we have this assumption in modernity that like more and more and more is about you is about me, is about the me, 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 right? Um, and uh, my riff in the sermon was like, I nearly felt like I was going to lose my life to selfie takers. There was this guy at Hagia Sophia that like was posing right in the middle of it and like slowly, dramatically raising his camera up while being filmed by his buddy. He did this four times. Right. Oh dear. It was four times. It was just the like, and I'm like waiting patiently. That's a lot of selfie culture, though. I mean, that's yeah. too much selfie culture. Well, and it was. I went to the air show um, a couple weeks ago, and I got the like special like go in at dawn and take pictures of airplanes, and like everyone was very professional. There are norms in like the people who take photos of things. You get your photo and you get out of there. You don't block another person's shot. And this guy was like in the middle, like, ooh. This really great for audio. <laughs> the audio listeners are like, what is he doing? That's why I added the sound effect. Ooh, it was <laughs> great. Also, he was dressed like off-brand Jesus. Like, I, like wow. all, all white, like long Jesus hair. Um, he was holding a camera. He must have some sort of like, I don't know. I, I did not bother trying to find him. Um, 
It was it's bad. like filming for a study or a something like he's creating a video series for something. Got to be. Got to be. Or like he may like he is like a photography influencer. Right. So how do you both take photos of the thing? And but you're an influencer. And so you must have posed photos of yourself. I don't know. Either way, that was my riff. But the, the, the overall pitch here is that rather than looking out for number one, that fundamentally the law and the profits sum to, hey, we look outward, not inward. Doesn't mean right. that God doesn't care about you. God cares deeply about you. God died for you. God made you. God cares for you, right? You matter to God. But in terms of how you approach the universe, you approach the universe as I care for God and I care for others. And in that way, the circle works because God cares for you. And if we all do this right, as we've talked about before, others care for you, right? This is the great trust exercise of the universe um, that we as a species often fail. But the theoretical trust exercise of the universe is I am going to love others and I am going to go out of my way for others. And the hope and prayer is that someone will then do that for you. Uh, this is the theme of pay it forward yeah. that crazy movie but you know it's i will look out for you and then you will look out for others and everyone else ends up winning because we are all right acting selflessly instead of selfishly in the world right and so that's the the fundamental the that's the love commandment and then i i made sure to include the bit where jesus talks about himself as the son of david right so this is the this is Jesus telling them in like a gotcha kind of fashion that he has the authority is, to tell them that, right? This like, is Jesus flexing. It's a weird flex. This is what flex. Jesus it, is doing. It is a, it is a flex for yeah. sure though. It, it, but like, <laughs> and it terrifies the Pharisees. Um, so uh, when a killer whale kills a great white shark, like no great white sharks will be seen in that area for a very long time. And they all leave immediately because there's a certain smell that's released and the great white sharks get out of the way. This is, this is Jesus doing that to the Pharisees, right? Like the Jesus decks this one Pharisee and they all scatter. Like no one ever asked him a question again. Because, I love that that's included in yeah. the scripture that then they didn't ask him any more questions because they knew yeah. then they would be uh, playing with fire. Right. Then it's like, Oh, he, so we de- so um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm all references today. So there's this early in West Wing, um, in the run of West Wing, um, uh, they introduce the character of Ainsley Hayes, who's this Republican lady who works for the Bartlett administration. Um, and you're opened it up with everyone come look. Sam is getting beat by a girl, right? Like the, Sam Seaborn is on the, on television up against Ainsley Hayes. He gets decked by her, and the whole West Wing is like watching avidly as Sam gets decked by a girl. And so, like this was like everyone come look. The Sadducees just got decked by Jesus, and then Jesus decks the Pharisees mm-hmm. systematically because. This is, I mean, obviously it's Jesus, but this isn't even a counterintuitive read. Like some Jesus, Jesus is the embodiment of scripture, and so he's allowed a counterintuitive read. It's his intuit. But like, this is not a counterintuitive read. This is a straight read, right? This is the Shema. This is Leviticus 18, 19. This is the Ten Commandments. This is Micah 6, 8. This is pretty much any time anyone tries to sum up the religious experience, Christian or Jewish, this is where you land, right? Is, this is 
this is another movie reference. This is in the Chronicles of Narnia when Aslan says, you know, don't quote the deep magic to me, which I was there when it was right. written. Right. And so this is Jesus doing that. Right. And so the Pharisees like think, I don't know. I don't know what they think. They think he's going to give some oddball answer. And what he gives is the straightest answer imaginable. And there is, you know, this, I love simplicity, but there is difficulty in that simplicity. Right. Like we all know it. And then the key is it is becomes difficult to live it. Like if this is the law and the prophets, then so much of what the law and the prophets and then, you know, writings of Paul, et cetera, are trying to exegete or trying to interpret. How does one do this in a real in real life morality? Right, rather than simply play school morality, we're like always be nice to people. Well, no, no, because what harder to do than to say. But like, what if one of the people is doing a bad thing to another people? Who do you be nice to? Right, like this is where this is where like there's complexity to this. How do you love neighbor? Becomes actually a remarkably like challenging question. Um. But this, I think for our purposes here, is more about getting at the fundamental orientation piece that there are plenty of other scriptures that are going to give you tools on what it means to love neighbor, right? Um, Help save their soul is one way to love neighbor. Feed the sheep. Um, I think we're going to get Matthew 25 at some point where we're going to, I think we're separating sheep and goats at some point soon, probably in November. Um, but you always finish the year on the, you always start at, anyways, uh, I think sheep and goats are coming up. If not sheep and goats are only three chapters later, right here right. in Matthew, cause that's Matthew 25. Um, like there are plenty of scriptures going to help you think through, like, how do you love neighbor? How do you love God? But here it is getting at the, like, how do I approach the world what is my core internal philosophy and it can get you know you can build some really complicated internal philosophies but the actual answer to what is your internal philosophy that is pretty profound is you love god and you love your neighbor that's the thing you do it definitely reminds me of you know those people who will do like, this is my one word for the year yeah, at their uh-huh. New Year's yeah. resolution, right? Yeah. Like your one word, your one idea, your one phrase that motivates your actions for the year, you know, uh-huh. if you're going to get fit or if you're going to be kinder or whatever it is you're going to do. And so this is, should be everybody's word, yeah. right? Yeah. Your word should be love God, love people. Um, and that orients not just your relationship to other people, but also our relationship to God, Yeah. Um, which should also orient our relationship to other people, right? When we are in right relationship with God, that motivates how we are in right relationship with others. Right. And so this and is, th- I mean, this gets into like some really classic Protestant theology of this is Martin Luther, right? Yes. So what, you know, Martin Luther, very uh, uh, cognizant of works righteousness, as everyone should be. Uh, Wesleyan theologians that you and I are, we butt up against it real hard. Don't cross over. Mm-hmm. Don't cross over. But, you know, <laughs> close. It's close. It's close. Um, but so the way Luther will talk about works is if you orient your, truly orient your heart to God, you are then going to feel the pull from God to love God's people. Right? That this yeah. is 
a fundamental like a fundamental like if you are truly connecting with God, then you that is where the good works come from, right? They come from God. Like even in John Wesley's construction, it comes from God. Uh, that's why it's not actually works righteousness. It just gets closer right. than most are willing to go. Um, all of this is, you know, John Wesley uses this the res- the analogy of respiration. God breathes into you, you breathe in God, right? Um, yes. But I think of this also as that back check of, like, how's my faith doing? An interesting way to answer that question of how my faith is doing is not just, like, how am I feeling, right? Which is still yes. very me. Very center selfie focused. Yeah. Well, and and really squishy, right? Um, says the depressed person. Um, so like another way to think about that back check of your faith is what actions. This is this is James too. This is James. This is faith that works is dead, right? Again, yes. it's not about earning it. It is that back check of how is my faith life doing. One way to think about that is like. How off? How do I feel? But another way to do is like, what is my faith doing? Right. What is have my have ye fruit? Have ye fruit? As yeah. you're as you're going through the ordination process in the United Methodist <laughs> Church, which I am very intimately in yeah. the middle of at the moment. Um, you know, one of the things that gets evaluated very deeply during those few years is what fruit is your yeah. ministry producing? Yeah. You know, are you doing the things? Um, in your personal life, in your walk with God, and in your walk with the community that you are serving in that are going to bear fruit. And that is a story of what is happening with your soul, right? These are not set. Again, they're, you know, one of the ways I've talked, I talk about Micah a lot is the the pitch on Micah six eight is you cannot separate the quest from a godly life or a quest from a just world. They are the right. same thing. Yes, right? because that is God. I mean, God is in the business of redemption and justice, yeah. right? That so, is the business that we are all in. So you cannot separate one from the other. And they all they're also all pitched as requirements. Like by the way, so you know Matthew twenty eight. The, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Also, phrases requirement. Um, yes. we, you know, I, I almost took this tack with our 10 commandments one and just didn't, um, we, you know, maybe it was a little on the nose. I'm going to do it now anyways, cause whatever, um, is we love to like plaster the 10 commandments all over the place, but how do we do them? Right. Yes. Like we love, we, we love to use the 10 commandments as like talisman of Christian law and you should, they're like the, they're the basics, right? Like. They are their own summation of, I don't know, most of Exodus, which is not a storybook, right? They right. are a good, like, intro to the law. I, we should read them. We should. We, we just did, right? Um, you should hang them on your church walls. They, do, you know, this gets uncomfortable with church and state stuff. They do undergird the U.S. legal system in a real way. Much of yeah. the Western world's legal system is undergirded by this, the Hammurabi Code, because it's just one of the oldest laws out there, right? Um, and certainly one of the best known laws out there. You know, if you figure there are a couple billion Christians and a couple billion Muslims um, and, uh, you know, a few tens of millions of Jews, that's, you know, like half the – Half the Earth's population views these laws from whatever thirty six hundred years ago as authoritative. Okay, so okay, right. so excuse me. 
We love to use them as a talisman. But do we really do what they say? In the same way that, like, we know the law and the prophets. We can get really detour-oriented, but then we know the law and the prophets. It's love God and love neighbor. And we, we live in a moment where I feel like we're, people are good at one or good at the other, and we're not always so good at the integrating, right? Um, we write a lot of contemporary worship songs about how great it is to be loved by God. <laughs> and it is great. It's great. But you try doing a mission trip with contemporary worship music. And you can't sing Build Your Kingdom Here by the Ren Collective four times a night. Every single time. You're lucky if you can get away with it once a night. And I've tried and (laughs) didn't get away with it. Right? It's just like, guys, this is this. Yes, we know we love this song. But we've sang it every night, Pastor Trey. Uh, but it's such a great song, and you built a what's the machine? The, not the machine, the mute. It music. is I, Don Pine did, but I have a bell stomper, uh, which bell is, stomper. That's the word the I was music, looking for. Which is the instrument in uh, the uh, in that music video for that song from ten which years is ago. Fabulous, uh, yeah. which is amazing. It's an great amazing song. piece of hipster art. The 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 song is amazing, and the uh, the music video is an amazing piece of hipster art. Um, but they were using a bell stomper, which we didn't know what it was. And so Don Pine looked it up, and then they gave it to me at the end of the trip because I love that song. And I worked, I guess I worked really hard on that trip. And they're like, that man needs a bell stomper. Still in my <laughs> office. Also, who will keep the collection of the weird random thing that we right. made? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pastor Trey will do that. I will. My, my, my uh, office is a museum of the odd. I have the uh, – uh, I was trying to talk about, like, the, the strength of Scripture – um, and so I made them make uh, like a weight bearing object from uh, popsicle sticks and uh, duct tape. Um, and like, and, whose would hold the yeah. most weight? Like, well, the, no, I made the them work. To, I, only, I only had three confermans, and so they worked together on it. Um, oh, okay. And it bore my entire commentary set, and so I still have that um, on my shelf. Um, we called it the frisbee of doom. Because um, it ended up roughly fris- frisbee shaped. Yeah. Anyways, I, my my office. Is you a, do have a fabulous collection of miscellaneous of things in your office. Object of um, you know. All of these come to us as commandments, but we end up really good at one thing or the other thing. I've been reading. Um, so I was stuck in an airport a lot this week, and well, way more than normal. Um, and so I'm now aware of what's on the newsstand, like on what I know what's hot in like bookstore shelves because I've walked through an airport. And so <laughs> I, I've almost finished Going Infinite uh, by Michael Lewis, which is his book about uh, Sam Brankman Freed um, and FTX, the top level, uh, highly individualistic crypto guy is going to go to prison. Um, oh, dear. But he is what's called, he thinks of himself what's called an effective altruist, which I had, which the book delves into. But I realized that, like, I went to college around, a lot of, around this time. I was also reading the same books that end up um, forming what is effective altruism. One of, the, uh, one of the authors I cite, Peter Unger, um, in Living High, Letting Die, where you can equate all your decisions to chil- all economic decisions to children in Africa, right? That actually is a fundamental text for effective altruism. And the concept of eff- effective altruism, it's pish is what if atheists envisioned how to build the kingdom of God? Um, so the top level pitch sounds great, right? 
that, and it's exactly what we're talking about, that your whole purpose in life should be to maximize the good you do in the world. Okay? Step one, we're all here. Right. To do, do all the good you can. <laughs> what? Yes. How they define do all the good you can is save as many lives as possible. Right? Okay. I, I'm, I'm still here mostly. Right? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to save a life is an interesting question. Um, right. So where a lot of them end up is make a lot of money in capitalistic ventures so that you can give away a ton of money. I'm still good. We, we live on foundations and things, right? Um, right. Philanthropy, not bad. We but, like philanthropy. But like – they get really but so but then it's the things that they decide or them they decide what is the most good for humanity. And so they get really oh. obsessed with some things I agree with. Pandemic prevention. Absolutely. Climate change. All right. Stopping robot apocalypses. And maybe. Right. <laughs> and so this is where the like we spend a lot of time because we have a whole segment that we're going to get to next called how to restart a church. We get a lot. We get a talk a lot about churches need to think outwards and individual Christians need to think outwards. Yes. Yes. How much God loves you is great and is one of the purposes of worship. But another purpose of worship is to send us out in the mission field to do the things. If the thing is save souls. Cool. If the thing is feed the hungry. Cool. Ideally some of column a, some of column B. Worship, that, like, soaking in the love of God should, not should, theoretically does then inspire you to love God's people. And it it can be... To go do the things that God has called you to do. Right. In the mission field to love neighbor. Right? Yes. Um, But it is important to remember that, like, you know... God is the one directing how we build the kingdom, and that's helpful. Because some of the underlying text of it, particularly, you know, I had to read, uh, I'm a little older than Sam Bankman-Fried, um, and Emily, you're way older than he is. Um, <laughs> oh, nine months older than you. He's like six, he's like six <laughs> years younger than us. Um, yeah. But, you know, I read Peter Unger's Living High, Letting Die in undergrad. I read it, my fresh, it was assigned to me my freshman year. In, a, in, in what I realized was like a class that, five years later when effective altruism was actually a thing could have just been called intro to effective altruism. It was a, Oh, what did we call it? It was um, service learning. And it was like looking at, anyways, we looked at a lot of political philosophy on how to do them, how to do the most good, right. And how to think about your role in doing good. And part of what Unger does and is part of what effective altruism does. That's part of what God does is, Remind you that your care for others is not really morally or theologically or spiritually optional. That's the bit where I do connect, right? I am probably not going to yes. spend – I'm not going to make millions, nor am I going to spend them to prevent a robot apocalypse. Um, <laughs> I've carved out my corner of the kingdom of God. But, like, that idea of that it's not – there are plenty of atheists that know it's not optional. Uh, Christians right. should be on the front line of understanding – that, doing, that it's not optional it's not for optional. us. That, that it not was not a request. Right. It's not. It's not a request. It's a summary mm-hmm. of the commandments. Right? It's yes. a summary. And, and, and Jesus in the weird flex is like, and I have the authority to tell you to do that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I have the authority <laughs> to help you 
define what it means, right? You, right. you can't ex- what it is to be altruistic, what it is that we are meant to do. You for can't the shun of God. the sinner, right? Like right. you cannot shun the sinner simply for being a sinner. That is one of the ways that we love neighbor physically yes. feeding the sheep. is another way we love neighbor visiting those who are in prison. It's another way we love neighbor. Right. Um, and, and, but that that is, and I, you know, and this is the, the hard bit isn't, I don't know, maybe the hard bit isn't even letting that seek in, but then starting to work through that implications. Right. And this is where guys like Unger, um, become really interesting. Cause it's like, Oh, like every way I spend my money, huh? Oh. Right. Every financial decision, every financial every decision, decision right. you make. But that's part of that, like, make it your lens, right? Yeah. Make it your motivation. Boil it down to the simple thing. Keep your focus on love God, yeah. love neighbor. Is what you are doing financially, physically, with your time, with your gifts, with your talents, with your everything, all of your emotional energy, does it fit through that lens of am I loving God? Am I loving neighbor? Let that be your rule of life. Right. And this is where I, the workaholic, must pause and say, and also, are you making sure that you can do that for the long term? Right. Right. Is this a sustainable it, it, ministry like, that you are doing in Jesus your life? had three years to save the world, and we get lots of stories of him resting. Of him, yes. like... You know, when they're when my favorite Jesus is resting story is they're caught up in this, they're on the boat, they're caught up in the storm, and Jesus is asleep. Yes. Right? Like, where's Jesus? He's asleep. He's asleep. Don't you care about us, Lord? Jesus, wake up. Yeah, let me sleep. Jesus, wake up. We're dying here, buddy. Just chill out, man. Chill out. (laughs) Taking a nap. It's nap time, friend. It's nap time. Or like, the ones were like, Jesus is alone on a mountain, and the crowd found him. And you go, Jesus is a better human than I am, because I would have told that crowd to go away <laughs> and come back when I'm done. Right. right. Um, also remember that one of the ways you love God in the commandments is to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Right. Right. That like, all of these, I use John Wesley's Three Simple Rules in the sermon, love God, you know, do, do no harm, do good, attend to the ordinances of God. One of the ordinances of God is taking time, just not all of your time to bask in the goodness of God. Yes. Right. Like, even though we, we, I mean, we dogged on selfie culture earlier, but that's not the same as self care culture. That's different. Right. But but make that problem with self care culture is all of these is not moderation does not exist in the modern world. Right? Like, we must both self-care and work sometimes. Right? We must, uh, you, you know, you have both, we're at a moment of self-care culture and a moment of grind culture. Right? Yeah. Like, rise and grind. And, and, and this this series is in deliberate, like, deliberately mock grind culture in the description for the series of just, like, you know, we have, we have talked and we'll continue to talk. Like, this is not... This is about the lens, not about killing yourself for the cause. Right. Right. And, and, and I, you know, I, I'm really, I am really good at kill yourself for the cause. Um, self-care is a part of this. This is about think. this is approaching life, understanding that our role in the world is to do good for God. 
right? And then the journey with scripture, the journey of growing closer to God, the journey of sanctification is learning more and more and more about how do I do that right and well? Um, how do I do that in a way that is sustainable for me? How do I, what, what is, what is my corner of the kingdom of God, right? I am probably not the make a hundred trillion dollars worth of crypto, you know, I am probably, that is probably not my corner of the kingdom of God. Right. Um, you know, my corner of the kingdom of God seems to be, you know, uh, build religious, build life-giving religious communities, right? Like that's my corner. There are other corners. Uh, we've, right. we've all had different corners in different moments of our lives. Absolutely. Uh, and so speaking of, 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 of Christians building things, um, <laughs> uh, uh, in our next segment, we're going to look at the movie. We're going to talk about the movie, uh, Jesus Revolution. Um, in um, our segment, How to Restart a Church. Uh, we will be right back. And we're back to talk about Jesus Revolution, uh, put out by Lionsgate uh, this year. Um, it is out on, I watched it on a DVD from the library because I am cheap, <laughs> but I assume you can like, you know, stream it. It's on Netflix. Too. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is, so one of the reasons why I'm interested in this is the Jesus movement is this like big blank hole in my understanding of church history. And the more we like continue down this road of like, wondering what the church looks like in the modern world, the more I realized that like this was the same conversation 55 years ago. Right. right? That maybe all of this has happened before that this right. isn't something right. new. And by the We've way, like about that on the show before. And, and by the late sixties, we're not the first time we had these problems, right? Like, you know, John Wesley is trying to answer very similar problems for 18th century England. These are patterns that you can see throughout Christian history that, you know, something happens and then the reaction from culture is one thing and we see the pendulum shift. Right. And I think it shifts back and forth. We've talked about that pendulum shift well, before. Well, and we, and, and we always think it's the end. We always think it's the end. We always right. think, you know, this movie literally opens with very soon um, one of the uh, one of the main characters, you know, the, the kind of older pastor guy, Chuck Smith is the character's name. Um uh, uh, played by Kelsey Grammer. Right, is... Frazier. Frazier so, plays a pastor. So Frazier plays a pastor, and guess Very what? Very straight-laced. It's He's fabulous. really good at it. Like, yeah. uh, in a movie that, like, uh, we're going to save my acting critique, because that's not really the purpose of this. I will tell you that uh, that he, Kelsey Grammer, is a beacon in this movie of... He has a subtlety and a realism. You really believe that he is a put-upon older pastor uh, slowly coming to embrace the movement, like, embrace what's happening, the spirit's doing among it. Like, anyways. But, right. like, it, it literally, one of the earliest shots we get is Chuck Smith, played by Kelsey Grammer, is like, um, I really think this is the end. Like, they're watching right. about, you know, this is, so, big, I guess, big picture frame, set in what must be 1968. Um, 69 yeah because we get we get the shot of them landing on the moon and so that is 1969 and so we must be opening kind of late late 69 early late 68 early 69 um 
and you know the hippies and the counterculture and churches are emptying and and this one was like we think if this was the good old days but like no like it was bad then too right Right. it always was it always will be the world will always have some sort of apocalyptic something going on and the fact that they're worried about like the young people aren't coming to church they're going there and in this case like the hippie drug culture and the hippie sexual mores and so that's the backdrop is this question like you know this really looks like the end of church this really looks like the end of the world and certainly looks like the end of church what is what is church going to be going forward? How are we going to reach these hippies? And so, the, like, core inside these darn dirty hippies that these need darn a dirty bath. right? They need a bath. I think they need a bath. He literally says the line. Like, I, they, they, need they need a bath. And the kind of inciting event is Lonnie Frisbee. All these are real people, right? This is not. This is a. It opens with the line based on a true revolution. I'm like, okay, chill out. Chill out, guys. Again, Kelsey Grammer has subtlety. The rest of this film, uh, but Carrie, Still a Kelsey, good film. yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Honestly, um, this is not like this is actually made by Lionsgate. This is, uh, this is not a lot of Christian cinema fare or, or like star vehicles for bands. No, this really seems to. This is more like um, in the genre of Heaven Is for Real. Where they yes. got like real actors and people who understand script writing and understand cinematography and are real, you know, Kelsey Grammer right. ain't working for free, y'all. Right. Um, he's Frasier. Um, so <laughs> they paid Frasier money. Like there's, re- you could tell this movie was made to be a movie, not a thing you take your youth group to. Right. right. Um, but it's a thing I would probably. Yes, absolutely. Some youth groups. Especially too. to teach that drugs are bad. Um, yes. That is a subtext. Anything about the hippie time from a Christian perspective is going to be like, drugs are bad, y'all. Yeah. Don't do acid because that's not the trip you're looking for. (laughs) And so uh, Lonnie shows up and Lonnie is um, a Jesus hippie. He is um, a traveling nomad. He wouldn't call himself a pastor, I don't think, but like a preacher of the gospel, helper of people, you know, charismatic in many of the senses of the word dude and he's like a hippie he's also played so i had to look this up it's played by the same guy who plays jesus in um the chosen yeah in the chosen yeah it's the same. so, so it's, if you like the chosen it's maybe it's, try so, this too so jesus from the chosen shows up so it's yes. fraser and jesus from the chosen um <laughs> it is a remarkably strange film um and so he is the opposite of this, right? Like he is not, he had that past of like doing drugs and being really into the hippie thing. He found Jesus and now he's being like the, uh, authentic the way the hippies thought of themselves as authentic and right. doing it for Jesus. And truth seekers, right? Truth they seekers. call themselves seekers of truth. What they're trying to find through all of the drug culture and everything else is truth, right? Yeah. Um, and so then and there's this the, this couple who are also real, um, Kath and Greg. And, um, but so the, I don't know, we can, I don't want to do like a blow by blow. But right. the opening pitch is people are drawn to the counterculture because of its acceptance, because of yes. its love. And they are not finding that in the church. And so you right. see that, like, more and more and more and more of these hippies are showing up 
at Calvary Chapel, uh, Chuck Smith's church, all of this real history. Um, and you watch the congregation, the squares, the straight-laced people in the congregation, get more and more and more uncomfortable. Yes. And, like, and, and have the conversations that, like, you and I know well of, like... I have had those conversations yeah, with people. Yeah, these, these hippies, you know, they're, uh, they're making us unkind. You know, I understand they're supposed to care for people, but, like, these people aren't wearing shoes. That, and man, that might mess up the carpet. That, that man, was the point. I, yeah, I, I know, cried. I, I, I was yeah, like, yeah. Um, why is this uh, a conversation uh, I've think, had? I'm I having deja I pulled, vu. I pulled the shit. Where's the quote? Where is it? Um, uh, uh, staining the new shag carpet. Um, right. End quote. Um, yes. Making the congregation uncomfortable um, or, you know. They have real needs. They have medical yeah. needs. They're on drugs. Like. Hi, yeah. these are real people with real problems. Right. And all so all of those conversations. And so what the like the they it gets into some of the darker side of what happened or, or you know, the not darker, but like how these are still also still real people um running mm-hmm. the Jesus movement. Um but they the pitches, it is a combination of hippie authenticity, recognizing that actually that's always been Jesus. Right? Yes. This is the what thing the thing you're actually searching for is Jesus, by right. the way. <laughs> because th- this is like the, the you know that this is what the Pharisees are mad about <laughs> is that Jesus is this you know very clearly they hired Jesus from the chosen right like <laughs> like hey Lonnie turns out to not be perfect like Jesus but like the opening pitch on Lonnie is he's a lot like Jesus ain't he even right looks like Jesus don't he. <laughs> um, and, and you see Lonnie do some really good stuff, right? Like uh, uh, Greg is like high on drugs and freaking out. And like Lonnie sits there with him in the grass. It's like, hey, in man. the rain and just says, I'm here with you <laughs> right. for the duration. Here we are. Right. Or right. like, and, and these are conversations that you and I have had like, oh, hey, you know, this band member is not going to be with us next week because he's got to finish out his drug sentence. And I was like, yeah, no, we understand, man. It's only three months and he'll be back. Right. Like you see yep. this like really inclusive community and it grows and grows and grows and grows and grows is like and, and you know and i wasn't alive at the time and i need to do we probably need to find like a historical factual book on the jesus movement to read for this show at some point to like balance <laughs> it i don't truly know but like it becomes like this christian reaction to the counterculture that also takes seriously some of the critique of the counterculture Yes. I think that's like, again, like Lonnie ends up, you know, a little bit too much of it goes to his head and he has to, you know, get out of there. We see some of the resistance, but also we see some of the old people from the congregation like hanging out and hugging the hippies. And I'm like, yeah, we know those people, too. And that was yes. that was emotional for me. And, you know, and, and, and boy, spoil it. But boy, gets girl at the end. Um, of, of course, it's still Hollywood movie. It's still, it's still Hollywood. a Lionsgate movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so there's a couple lines from the end of the movie where they're like hitting you over the head with the themes. Because again, Kelsey grammar has subtlety and nothing else does. Um, uh, uh, You let the hippies in and Jesus came with them. Um, And uh, from a journalist that's been uh, kind of observing, our country uh, is in a dark pit of uh, a dark divided place. Um, But in that tent, gesturing at the church full of hippies, um, there is unity. Um, And... And so in thinking about the, like, 
business of making church happen. I am not saying we go find a Lonnie, but I think it was interesting that 60 years ago, 55 years ago, however long ago 1968 was, um, it's like 55 years. Can I do yeah. math? Can I math yes. today? Okay. You can math today. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. It's like 55 years ago. Um, were a lot of these same questions of how do we like, and young people reject the church for a lot of the same reasons. Of, right. That, you know. that young people are rejecting the church today because of its closed doors, because of its inauthenticity, you know, whatever, put, whatever label you want on it, we know that there are people for whom being spiritual but not religious makes more sense to them because religion didn't do right for them. Because religion felt so closed. Yes. Right. And Whereas spirituality is squishier and more open and loving and accepting. Right. And we also, you know, as we did then, so we do now, care about weird things or make it seem like and I felt I mean I felt this in the early 2000s in a suburban church and you know it turns out I didn't understand this but I was kind of raised by Jesus movement people right if I look at most of the mentors in my life um coming up and certainly like you know the campus minister at William & Mary like I, I come out of a lot of these folks but like it took me, I come from a church where it wasn't clear that we could be like real people, where we would like announce from the pulpit that like, hey, we're not going to see our drummer for a minute because he's going to go back to jail and it's okay. He's going to get out and he's getting clean. Isn't that great? And have everyone clap. Um, like we still do this. And then like I found, I found that and I found it in a weird place. Um, and I, it must have just been a bunch of old Jesus movement people, but like I found it at Pender United Methodist Church at the age of 23. <laughs> Show up at Pender. The contemporary service specifically was like everyone was weirdly real. Many of them had been to war together and that helped too. But like there was a lot of like, you know, me and the 40 year old dudes, there was a lot of like really deep like discussions of like, I struggle with this and I need help. And, and, and so it's always, it's always been there, but we're, I, I see it. I felt it. I know others feel it of as was then. So is now 55 years later by the people who at this point would have been part of the Jesus movement. We're going to set that aside for a minute. That maybe as we age, we become that which we rebelled against in our youth. I mean, certainly, you know, you know, or a newer version of it. If you're not a student of history, you're doomed to repeat it. Um, My prayer is that we don't do that. Um, Right. You know, that the things that are new and hip that we think are great ideas now, let us not be doing those in 30 years, because then that is no longer the new and hip thing. And then we're then we are static and set in our ways, too. It does explain a lot of my, this movie did explain for me a lot of my encounters with boomer spirituality. It's like, oh, that's why they want to hug me so much. Please stop. <laughs> Please. I get, no, I get that like the, the, the hippies and Lonnie, they were huggers. I'm still a lot not. of huggers. 
please stop hugging me. Please stop yeah. thinking that this hug is going to make me think, feel things spiritual. It doesn't. Please stop touching me. A <laughs> lot of hugging. A lot of hugging. But, I, I, again, they show the like. And they also show growth, right? Like, again, Kelsey Grammer, National Treasure. Um, you see Chuck's. Chuck Smith is initially very resistant. And you right. see, you see that Chuck, Chuck, I don't think sees the like, the joy of the numbers go up. Chuck really does seem, at least as portrayed in the film, really does seem to see the spirit moving. Right? You know, he's like right. laughing. You know, laughing the the first time the the, the contemporary the first contemporary worship band plays, um, they play the contemporary first contemporary song, and um, he's like laughing and crying and just like, oh my god, this is amazing, and then puts them on stage at his church, even though the right. deacons are rebelling, and he sticks with it, and you know, very much moved by the Holy Spirit. Well, and I love that his character helps bridge the gap there between the two generations that, you know, the squares and the hippies, um, you know, in response to the, but their bare feet are ruining the shag carpet. He finds that, you know, spoiler alert, but he finds the way to shut everybody up about it and washes their feet. They're coming into the sanctuary, like very Jesus move, man. Like, let's do this thing. And I mean, he does the thing that I think is, you know, real gamble for pastors. Um, He says, this door is always open um, for whoever wants to come through it. Um, If you're not comfortable with that, that door is also open. And he watches major givers, people who are portrayed as major givers, walk out of the room, right? That he, he is willing. If we think about the methodologies for how to restart a church, it is not just go find a Lonnie, right? Right. Because that's that's lightning in a bottle. That's not the thing, but it is. There is that piece about being really clear who we are and really really clear who we're not, and that the acceptance of people who are radically different, who smell, who look weird, who dress weird, who talk weird, but who are here to be spiritual, who need, who have very real struggles that they need to be healed from, and are not willing to do the middle-class sociality thing of just, like, covering up and act like everything's cool. Right. Don't they, air your dirty laundry. <laughs> right. Which, that, I mean, you know, I've talked, I'll talk about this to anyone who listened. That nearly killed me. Right? right. That, like, thing that we can't talk about our problems and that church isn't the space for that. And, like, church is the place you got to be the most clean and the most put together because there's a dignity to it. And I'm like, where did, like, I get that, like, we have this concept that the dig- that our dignity should honor God. But like show me that in Jesus' ministry. Right. Right. Where he got mad was the dishonoring of the temple wasn't how people dressed when they went to the temple. It was that Or people- how healed or unhealed they were by it, the time they got there. <laughs> it was that they were changing money, that they turned into yeah. a business, that they'd done mm-hmm. a capitalism in like ripping people off for their sacrifices. That's the thing about the temple that gets him so mad other than you don't need it. The other thing gets mad about you don't need it. I'm here. Right. Like I could tear that down and rebuild (laughs) it in three days. Like it's a building y'all. Right. It's just stuff people. That's not the thing. The thing is the Holy spirit. The thing is the church. The thing is that relationship of love God and love people. Are you doing those two things we talked about? I mean, it's one of those like find 
Fine, please, like, you know, my, my, I, I grew up Methodist and not Baptist, and so I do not have the, like, instant recall of all of Scripture that some of my Baptist, I'm very jealous of this, some of my Baptist colleagues just have, right? I know a couple of Methodist colleagues are that way, too, and they're just like, I don't have it. But if you can find, by all means, email us, uh, thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. If you can find <laughs> the Scripture where Jesus wants the formality, go for it. Find it. Send it to me. We'll gladly talk about it. Right? But generally speaking, that's the Pharisees. Right. Um, and that's what this movie, I think, again, it's 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 kind of a hagiography, right? Like it's turning it's making some of these guys into saints. Um it's a movie. Um and, you know, and, and like again, all real people, uh Chuck and Greg, um, Lowry Lori go on, you know, have major ministries, start these like you know, you know, wonderful uh, uh, Chuck starts kind of like a network of churches. Greg starts like Harvest, um, which still exists. Um, he's still baptizing people in the ocean um, as he did with Lonnie, um, <laughs> you know, 50 years later. Right. Like it, it, it's still like it, that movement. Anyways, it's still moving. Like those <laughs> these people are like you can go meet them. Um, yeah. They're in the end credits. They do the, you know, the the Sandlot end credits, but with the real people. Um, like, it gets the, like, hey, we've been here before. If you think this is a new moment, it isn't. Um, and that's, I, I think, one not a message I knew that the show was going to be about, but turns out it's a thing that this show is fundamentally about, is in the words of the uh, words of a hobbit, we've been here before. We've been here before. <laughs> Right. We so, have been here before, friends. Sam, I think we're going round in circles. We've been here before. Right? Um, we have. And the spirit moved. And people listened. And yes. the message was, if you think these people don't belong in your church, you're wrong. Right. Maybe open your doors wider. To Maybe open your movie, doors wider. Um, these are my notes for the video version. I made actual paper notes of this film. <laughs> um, most of them are fine. Um, you let the hippies in and Jesus came with them. Yes. Right. And, and, and obviously this moment isn't about hippies. It's about um, nuns and spiritual, not religious and LGBTQ people. And this is a whole panoply, right? Um, uh, you know, people who, you know, I get minor amounts of it for looking the way I do as a pastor, right? I can't right. tell, you know, Lonnie gets it far worse than I ever will, but I get to like, the, what is this person doing? You know, I get a little bit of the, what is this person doing? Like here. this person is an ordained elder. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. With it his tattoos. And happened his, to you me, know, happened to me chucks. this week. In fact, um, yeah, um, it you know, does happen with my tattoos. But anybody who haircut. is, yeah. On the fringes, right? Anyone who is in those margins, anyone who doesn't fit the bill of who you think is supposed to be right. in church. By the way, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Right. And that's the like, I think, again, like this, this movie helps frame how we answered this question 55 years ago. And their argument, the pitch of the film is that the people who did it well said, we are going to be a home for the hippies with very few requirements and see where the journey takes them. Yes. Right? Because a lot of the, like, kind of a theme in the movie is the, like, recovery from drug addiction. 
right? That a lot of people either realize the drugs aren't doing good things in their life or find power in God and community um, to overcome addiction, right? And so that was, you know, certainly that remains a strain in ministries we do now. But, like, think about the things in our world that we go, ah, those darn kids in there, fill in the blank, right? Heavily tattooed millennials, right? Um, Whatever it is. You know, weird fashion people, goths, whatever, right? Like, fill in the blank. Um, right. and I'll, and then realize that they're, they belong. I, you know, I, 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 I also, cause we've lived through a much smaller version of where we were kind of the hippies that showed up and were like, what if like you say that, like, this is your value. What if we <laughs> like lived Did that? that. Fa- what if, and like, I don't, keep in mind, like at that time you were living in a bus Right. Yeah. Right. It was like, a little more hippie-ish like, then because I was li- in fact living in a bus. You lived in a bus on church grounds and I was yeah. the pastor in trouble for letting you live in a bus on church grounds. Understand that like right. this is like part of the emotional residence of this film for you and me <laughs> is, is the we like, lived it. We were the hippies. We were the hippies, right? Like We, we were sh- the hippies. We showed up and like again, you're living in a bus and I'm the person who's like yeah, no, we have letters. She can live on. They can live here. That's fine. And they're like, right. are you sure we can let these hippies, you know, and we, you know, you, you, this is not news to you. Like, we got some of like, are you sure we can let these hippies living in a bus? It's, uh, it's angering the neighbors. And I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, I think that those sets, there are scenes that are like that. And I'm like, huh. Uh, we've been yeah. there. We've been there. We've and been the, there in the shoes of the hippies. We've also been there in the shoes of the people who have, you know, been in charge and seen great things happen. Well, and, um, I, and I think, so what's interesting is, and this is way inside baseball for us, but, like, I realize that some of my job now in this one is I am not necessarily the hippie. I am still a hippie, no. but I, I am not. I am in the role of Chuck looking yes. at our the bulk of our church that is from another country and reminding our folks, and, and we've come a long way and our folks are, are, are responding. All of our folks are responding wonderfully together, but like, it's going to be different and that's okay. Yes. Right. And it's not going to look like you think it's going to look, and that's going to be okay because Jesus is still at the center of this. Well, and, we ha- and that's why we have to talk about like, how do we find different financial arrangements and how do we like, right. I, I end up on this, in, in this current job, a little more, you know, you know, Chuck to Yenny's Lonnie, right? Of like, it's not perfect, right? I'm younger right. than Yenny for one. Um, and it's not so like, there was never the like tension to start. But I reckon, what I, I certainly from our past experience and my, th- my thoughts on English speaking ministry and, you know, ministry to millennials and Gen Zs, you know, we have, we are still the, you know, the darn dirty hippies. Um, And and I'm happy about that. And I'm only slowly more embracing my darn dirty hippiness the older I get. I, you know, I didn't start getting tattoos until I was in my thirties. Right. My haircuts have only gotten dumber. My glasses have only gotten larger. And I've only, I have stopped wearing dress clothes to even more occasions in my life. Right. Like (laughs) two years ago, I declared dirt bag annual conference and I have stuck to it. Right. Like, um, you know, we need to carve out space for the, you know, darn dirty hippies of the world. But also, it's not always going to be about the hippies. 
it's but it's always going to be about this looks really different. Right. God is in it. That's so so that makes it okay. And that's okay, right? Following the Holy Spirit instead of trying to fit the Holy Spirit in the box that we think the Holy Spirit should fit in, maybe we should open our doors and follow the Holy Spirit. Maybe you out. need to house the hippies in the bus. Or, right. or, or, you know, we've done things where, like, we house families here at the church because they're, like, yeah. coming in from another country. They're going to be going somewhere else. They need short-term housing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just let them stay. Like, it's fine. Um, but it's – I, I found I, – again, I don't know. I don't really know why I picked it. This just felt led. Um, actually, I know why. One of our church members, Madeline, um, recommended it to me and was like, these are my people. And I went, huh, Right. Okay, I need to learn more. And I think, you know, the more we think and talk about the Jesus movement, the more, again, it's not perfect, right? But the, like, the core principles as presented in this film right. are very much aligned with yes. what we should be doing. There are all of these people that don't think they belong here. And one way or another... We've done a darn good job of communicating, and that's 100% true. I get those messages myself. Right. And that's the thing we have to, we have to consistently repent of, is we have to compen- re- consistently repent of our, you know, you know, desire to make this about us. We have to consistently repent um, from our desire to not have to take this that seriously. And we have to consistently repent of playing the who's in and who's out game. Anyways, that seemed as good a place as any uh, to bring this in for a landing. Thank you so much for joining us on The Goodness of God. If you have feedback for the show, if you want to play Pharisee, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, or, you know, have positive things to contribute as well. Uh, uh, email uh, thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. That is thegoodnessofgodpod at gmail.com. Actually, if you come from the Jesus movement and have stories to tell, we would love some firsthand stories um, yes, of what of that was like. Um, that is actual, all joking aside, that is actually a thing that I would love um, to add, a voice that I would love to add in here. If you are interested in anything else we do here at Servants or in the Media Lab, just go to Servants Now on everything. Um, Facebook, YouTube, the internet, servantsnow.org. Um, TikTok, Instagram, we're going to be piloting some new TikTok and Instagram content uh, coming soon, this week or next. Um, So uh, there's never been a better time to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Emily's going to be doing some fun stuff. Um, All of this that we do is made possible um, by an innovators grant by the Texas Annual Conference and the United Methodist Church. Um, And this podcast, The Goodness of God, is recorded in the Media Lab at Servants of Christ, United Methodist Parish, deep in the heart of Southeast Houston. We will be back next week, but in the good in the meantime, go in peace. Love and serve the Lord, and we will indeed see you next week. Mm-hmm.